When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here to continue our list of 2020 positional reviews today. Tonight, the safeties. We're talking with Josh Reed of Baltimore Beatdown. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. A long time no here. I'm glad to be back on. I think the last time we were on was for the Colts game, the breakdown of the Colts game. I'm, I'm sure we'll have you on a lot more this offseason, given how much we, we did some good stuff last offseason. And uh, always a great football conversation with Josh. You can follow him at JoshReed907 on Twitter. That's correct? There is. I, 907 comes from the fact that I'm born, raised, and still living in Anchorage, Alaska. So, Yeah, so those Texas people, they're just – they really – they're having a lot of problems out there. We're not going to we're not going to make jokes. It's too soon about that. But you, you know, you're living in regular zero degree weather in the Anchorage. Area. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, this time of night, eight o'clock 
um, p.m. in Alaska right now. I think it's like it's like seven degrees outside, but the wind chill makes it feel like it's like negative ten. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're we're kind of used to this. We get this pretty much six months out of the year. So I'm not I'm not belittling anything that's going down in Texas right now. But I'm like, okay, you guys got a small taste of what what goes on in Alaska. I mean, you still don't have the wind chill factor, but you know, the the snow is not that fun. Yeah, they're just they're just not prepared for it down there, and I it's a it's a terrible situation. We don't want to make light of it, but uh, I really appreciate having you on. And Baltimore Beat Dennis, where are you writing now? Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. I just started um, uh, writing for them at, the, at, at pretty much after the season ended. Um, I was formerly with a Maryland sports blog, but then I moved over to um, the Baltimore Beatdown. Uh, my first article was published on January twenty sixth, and I've been there um, going strong every day since. All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. So we're going to talk about the safety position. And obviously the biggest story of this offseason was the release of Earl Thomas after the very sordid details of various things came up, finishing really with the fight with Chuck Clark. And, you know, Clark basically is on him about some accountability problems and, you know, not being in the right place at the right time. And uh, this was during practice. And very surprisingly to, I think, a lot of outsiders, uh, the organization and the rest of the players really stood behind Chuck Clark on this. Yeah, like I, said, I really respect how the Ravens kind of keep things in-house, tight-lipped. They keep a, run a pretty tight ship up there in the castle in Nolings Mills. And they, there were some grumblings like his first year with Baltimore, like there was a little skirmish he had with um, – I don't want to call it a skirmish, but a little Brandon dust. Yeah, with Brandon Williams, yeah. I believe it was the Browns game. Um, but like I said, they were, like, it was, it's not until the guy, you know, the aforementioned person in question is out of the building until they really kind of like spill all the beans. Like, hey, look, this is what happened. This is what the guy did. And the whole – Fight with Chuck Clark was really like the final straw in the long line of issues that they were having with Earl Thomas, whether it was being late, not showing up to meetings, not paying attention to meetings. The whole purpose of the fight was because he completely blew an assignment in practice. And that was like, dude, like if you were in the meetings, you would have known you where to be. And he, you know, Earl Thomas kind of shrugged it off and he, Chuck Clark just had enough. And like, I can't, can't blame the guy. Mm-hmm. Can't either. The, the last excuse was one of the worst of all. I had to get my car washed. Was while it was late for a meeting. Horrible. I, I mean, like straight out of the NFL, player. straight out of TL handbook or something, man. Like yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I, I just, I just thought that that, that was wild. And then just. Man, <laughs> this, this this is craziness to me. This is I should probably know this, but I'm 57, so remember a lot of cultural references go right over my head. The TL handbook totally. Oh, TL, like, like TO, like Terrell Owens, T-O, like that's T-O, something like good. Okay. you know something Terrell Owens would do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. That's <laughs> that's a good one. All right, well let's uh, let's continue on a lot because the safeties who who did remain. Gave us a little fear, I think, early in the season about the durability possibilities. Chuck Chuck Clark had played a wonderful 2019 season. Uh, you know, his his first as defensive signal caller from about week five on. But also, uh, Deshaun Elliott was on the back end with him at free safety, thrust into that role. So you're not sure about how well he's going to play in a full time free safety only role, which is really what he had, and one where he had to play every snap after two consecutive injury. Uh, years lost to injury. Yeah, I was definitely a little scared when Earl Thomas was cut. I'm like, oh my God, what's the plan at safety? Like, you have Chuck Clark, Steady Eddie back there, who's been, you know, kind of much the glue of secondary since he was instituting the starting lineup, at, you know, like I said, after week five in the um, 2019 season. But we're going to rely on a guy who hasn't, who's played, what, 40 snaps prior to that on defense? I was yeah. just like, you know, like, how are you going to. Where's the plan here? But um, I was pleasantly surprised um, by what I saw from Deshaun Elliott throughout the season, really, both of those guys playing in tandem. 
Yeah, uh, Clark ended up missing just two snaps the entire season, which I believe is the record ever for a Ravens player that no no Ravens players ever played 100% of the snaps. And incredibly, Elliott missed only 21 snaps. And that number, 98% of the snaps, has not been eclipsed many times in Ravens history. A few. Ray Lewis has done it at least a couple of times. And, and uh, I think uh, Kim Herring did it in 2000. He was the he was the leading snapper snapper that year. He was over ninety eight. But yeah, but who would have rare number? Who would have thought that Deshaun Elliott of all people would be that guy encroaching up on that record? You know, a guy who, like I said, couldn't the first first season ended in preseason with a broken forearm. Next season, in some limited action, then a knee injury, and now we're going to be counting on this guy to play down in down out, and he did a great job. Yeah, he did a great job. They couldn't even find a spot for him in year two in the weeks they did have him, and. Boy, I mean, it really just looked fantastic for a, for a, a third year player coming out of that. Now, you know, really after three years, the question about Elliot, I think, is do they try and sign him early? Because with all the Ravens stacked contracts, I think it would make a lot of sense for the Ravens to get at least one of those three mid range contracts. I'm talking about Bozeman, Elliot, and Averett. Those three guys who uh, who are not going to make the the really top money probably get one of them signed this offseason. Yeah, um, a lot of people were kind of surprised when Chuck Clark got the extension last year, and I could totally see Sean Elliott having the same, being the same kind of candidate for that kind of um, short-term extension. It wasn't like a five-year deal; it was like you know three-year deals. I'm forgetting it was like for twelve million, and it was an extension, so it was just like a you know pace. It really was like a four-year contract because you know you, you tacked mm-hmm. on to that extra year. And I could really see a guy like Sean Elliott um, taking you know being that the candidate to receive that kind of deal this off-season. Either him or Bozeman. I think either one of those guys are are primed for a, a, a re-up this off-season. Yeah, they'd, they'd both be good. And there's there's good. it's a good situation in each case where there's a lot of divisible benefit on the table. Both those guys are, should be really concerned about career security. Uh, I, you know, Everybody saw what happened to Matt Skura on the offensive line, uh, and, and he really lost a lot of his you know, lifetime financial security by, by uh, you know, that injury coming along at a very unfortunate time. I don't know if there are contract talks in advance of that, but Skuro is in his fourth season, so it's just a, a bad time for an injury. We don't want to see that happen to Bozeman. We don't want to see that happen to to Elliott either. We want both of them to be Ravens for another, you know, for the foreseeable future anyway. And they still get another free agency shot in their late twenties. They just wouldn't wouldn't get it particularly early. Yeah, I just really want them to, to resign or extend or extend Sean Elliott because I was thinking like, man, how crazy would it be if they were to get two stud safeties for less than half of what the Chiefs are paying Tyron Matthew? You know, yeah. they're paying that guy top dollar and we could be getting almost on par production from two guys for the price of half of one. So yeah, I just, I just think that'd be great. Yeah, I think it, it would be terrific. I think it would come, you know, there's, like I say, I think there's a lot of divisible benefit on the table there that's good. But why don't we talk about Clark first and, and take us through your thoughts on his play in 2020, what you liked about it, and, and maybe some of the schematic things you like. Oh, man, I, I really enjoy watching Chuck Clark. Like, um, he's not the most impressive eye-popping athlete out there, but he's so he's so cerebral. I, mean, I know people kind of get tired of hearing this about Chuck Clark. Oh, he's the smartest guy on the team. But that guy is really the smartest guy, not just in the back end, but on the entire defense, too. Uh, to be honest, um, I really love the way you know he kind of like, like he was still that not just the glue in the back end, but the defensive signal caller for the second straight year. And there was some speculation about oh maybe Patrick Queen would eventually take over. No, no, no. That was uh, Chuck, Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Clark is Chuck Clark is going to be the defensive signal caller. I feel like for as long as he's in purple and um, purple and black. Well, we we heard uh, Harbaugh talking the offseason, and most of the time, 
when Harbaugh says something and it follows one of his very patterned type of responses, like, uh, yeah, he's a good player. And then he picks one thing he talks about, you know, that kind of thing. I take, you know, I really don't take any stock in what Harbaugh is saying. That's complete coach speak. But when he goes out of his way to say what he did about Chuck Clark, which is that he was bold, brilliant, and brief. I think it was, uh, it was alliterative. And I believe he, those were the three words he used. He's he's gone and he's figured that out what he wanted to say exactly, and he's he's put that out in a way that he really means it. And I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that you're 100 percent correct that he's Patrick Queen would never be the defensive signal caller over Chuck Clark. There's a lot of reasons for that. It, it kills off a lot of the Ravens' defensive flexibility to get the linebackers they want on the field by not having Chuck Clark be the guy with the green dot. But in addition to that. Uh, he he just has infinitely more understanding about where those players need to be. Yeah, when I wrote, well, I actually did a uh, Ravens twenty twenty recap for the safety position. Um, a Baltimore beat thing. You go check it out there. And I just mentioned how you know, like say Chuck Clark was was defensive signal caller, Green Dot. He's really like a great communicator back there. What I couldn't even think of a better guy to have wear the Green Dot than somebody who knows literally what everybody's doing in every play. I mean, he's been lauded for the past two, three years about like, even when Earl Thomas first signed the Baltimore, he talked about how Chuck, how Chuck Clark, why, man, why did they sign me? They already have this guy here. He knows everything, you know, front yeah. and back. And so like, you know, it's, it's almost like a dream deferred in a way to like, wow, like, you know, you had this Chuck Clark, dude was, it was an ascending talent at the time um, you know before he became you know a full-time starter and then once he's once he's there i mean the second there really hasn't missed a beat and there weren't there, like I said, since, since chuck clark has been the guy in the back end and the main communicator for the defense we've seen far less blown coverages far far less you know guys running wide open down the middle of the field nothing crazy like that people know where they're at because he's getting guys lined up and so i feel like um the, like, like you were saying earlier to have a guy like 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 Patrick Queen or even even LJ Ford, somebody else who at the linebacker position would be at the Ravens' disadvantage schematically just because Chuck Clark can get everybody lined up from the back end to the front end. Right, absolutely. And I, I think Fort would be the guy who has that savvy at the inside linebacker position. In a lot of ways, I'd love to see him on the field for more snaps. Lewis and Reed work perfectly fine together with Lewis calling the signals and Reed you know, aligning the secondary a lot. Sugar and quick. Yeah, there you go. So you you uh, you, you could do it a couple of different ways, but but Fort almost it, it would do he would do well on the plays you can actually afford to do this to have him be the per- personal aligner for for Patrick Queen sometimes because that guy is uh, he just does not always understand his assignment. There have been other problems with Patrick Queen, but but that's that, that's a big one. And when we see a lot of the on field behavior happening. And the discussions occurring after the play in the body language is where you really can pick up on some of that. Yeah, and I don't want to go on a call for the Patrick Queen tangent because I, I really do like the guy. Contrary to what he may think of me, he did he did retweet one of my tweets earlier this um during this season. Like I was like I was coming for him, but I really wasn't. But I really think the whole not having an off season for like you know for those rookies coming in last year was really to their disadvantage, and that's why you, you saw a lot of times they were kind of like misaligned or they didn't exactly know where to be. Or, or where to go on certain assignments, especially when it came to like zone coverage and stuff like that. You really, those OTAs and stuff, people kind of shrug their shoulders at them, but those are really like really vital times for especially young players who, like I said, this is their first year in going into the professional, um, professional league. 
they're, they're critical. And, and I hope that Patrick Queen will not look at his in-season improvement, which was significant in terms of his downhill coverage ability and where he had to use his speed to cover men off the line of scrimmage, got better and better as the year went on. But I hope he will not look at that trend of improvement and say, I've done enough and I can just show up at camp next year. He is a he is a player much in need of position specific coaching this offseason. Uh, tackling has been a big problem for him, and he really needs to get that right. We're talking about the safeties. I don't want to get too far distracted about this, but but I do think that Queen, as much as he has improved both in his last year at LSU and this year again at the NFL level, he's a guy who really needs to commit to positional coaching to get it right for 2021. And that's low-key why I think that they hired Rob Ryan over promoting a guy like Zach Orr. You know, you want that mm-hmm. veteran season coach who has, you know, over 30 decades in this league and knows how to really how to coach guys up. Whereas a guy like Zach Orr, he's a nice young ascending coach, may not know. He, he may be able to communicate on a personal level with Patrick Queen and those guys because, you know, the, the younger, the age difference and all that. But when it comes to – this is really the – this is really a, a really serious de- developmental time for the young players, and you really want a seasoned coach like that. And I also think, like, I, I personally, if I was Patrick Queen, I would spend as much time with Devin White this offseason as possible. That dude was lights out in the playoffs, and he took a similar jump that I hope Patrick Queen t- can take in year two, and his year two from uh, 2019 to 2020. So if we can see that same kind of jump from Patrick Queen in tw- uh, from 2020 to 2021, that'd be great. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. White obviously had kind of a troubled rookie year as well and, uh, and and certainly ascended. Of course, White was the number five overall pick and Queen was number 28, 27, 28, whichever it was. He, he's, he, they're not at the same level in terms of just how uh, extraordinary a prospect they were. So White, White is the better athlete. I would expect him to make a bigger jump, but I do expect Queen to understand a lot more about what's going on behind him in year, in year two and be a lot better in terms of his form tackling uh, in, in year two as well. And we're talking about safeties. Let's get back to it before yes, we sir. just go nuts on this. Uh, but yeah, going back to Chuck Clark, man, I think his, his ability in, in, in coverage really improved as the season went along too. I mean, like yeah, he only finished with one pick and he didn't get that pick until week 17, but there were so many almost interceptions that Chuck Clark had to where like he's always he's always around the ball you know you think he had a career high with 96 tackles um total tackles mm-hmm. and it was just a leave second on team behind Queen and like I say he guys always around the ball and his his ability to to make plays and coverage kind of improved as the season went along and you saw that he was he was there getting almost interceptions or breaking up passes or just being there to dissuade the quarterback from even throwing in that area because he was there yeah, he's he's probably also the Ravens' best tackler. Um, safeties, by the way, if you, guys at the line of scrimmage hardly ever miss tackles, so it's hard to relatively grade them because the numbers are so low, numerator and denominator for for tackles missed, obviously, and and total tackles made are often low too. At the linebackers, tons of opportunity for tackles, and they miss more. It's just the nature of tackling in level two, tackling in space more. You tend to miss more tackles. Plus, you're, you're, you don't have the kind of size advantage that a defensive lineman has over a running back typically. At safety, they're the last line of defense, and, and they are typically outsized by the player they're trying to tackle, whether that's a wide receiver by just a little bit or whether it's a running back, which could be 20 pounds, they're, they're, they're outweighed by. And safeties miss a lot of tackles. Chuck Clark last year, looking at pro football reference, missed just five tackles and made 95 for a 95% 
tackle rate. That's outstanding for a safety. Absolutely outstanding. And you know, you 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 compare that with some linebacker numbers. We're not going to do that again on the show, but ninety five percent absolutely outstanding for a safety. Yeah, yeah, like the like what fifty seven of those were solos according to Pro Football Reference, and so like I said, that guy, man, like I said, I, he was really like I said, the, not just the glue in the back end, but the glue of that entire defense. I really don't know what a defense would be without Chuck Clark. You know, I feel like it kind of be a, a, a bit of a mess back there, and you wouldn't you wouldn't have so many you know airtight assignments in the back end where everybody knows what they're doing. People are in the right place at the right time. Yeah, real good run fit player. Uh, That's been a positive as well, not just what he's done in coverage. Can cover tight ends off the line of scrimmage. I feel like he's one of the best at uh, not having a rub route breakdown or not having a um, a bunch formation breakdown on the Ravens, as as happened some early in the year, particularly against Kansas City. The Ravens got beat on a bunch of bunch formations against against Pittsburgh in the game at home, where Pittsburgh came back with a couple second half drives. It was a lot of bunch formation taking advantage of Terrell Bonds uh, in those circumstances that ended up with some opportunities. But Chuck Clark, one of the real good ones at, at not allowing that to break down. Yeah, yeah, and I think he has really pretty good positional versatility too. Because you know, like the Ravens like to switch their sixes around sometimes, especially with with Wig Martindale, the way he likes to disguise and use his coverages and stuff like that. A guy like Chuck Clark who can you know he'll, uh, he'll be up the line of scrimmage, you know, pre-snap, and then before you know it, he's twenty yards downfield, you know, helping help help bracket somebody in the back end. So I, I just think um, really both of those guys are great as far as the positional versatility, and you can really pretty much put a slash in between safety and just call them safeties because they can play free or strong on any given play. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I, th- I think let's let's move on while we're talking this to Elliot here. I think there's two reasons why you really want him at free safety. First of all, I think he's faster than Clark and, and gives you a little bit more range on the back end. That really started to show up later in the year with yes. the recognition, particularly against Buffalo, I thought. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Um, I, I've even mentioned it in uh, my, my recap piece. I mean, like, just his his range, his range. Like you said, his speed really helps his range. And like, like he didn't he didn't have an interception on the season either. But there were so many times where he would just he, you know he'd help out a cornerback on the boundary, or he'd take away something deep down the middle of the field, and he would just dissuade the quarterback from throwing in that direction for yeah. fear of a pick or fear of you know maybe a tip and and you just. Uh, putting your receiver in a bad position. So I just think his his range was 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 a huge asset for the Ravens in the back end, especially at the thin safety position. Now there's two ways you can watch film of safeties that I'm not saying they're equally valid, but I think you can get something from either. Let me put it that way. If you watch only the broadcast video, watch how often the safety gets in a bracketed position with a cornerback in terms of coverage. So a safety is is providing one half of coverage, either top and bottom or, or horizontally on a receiver. And when that happens, usually the quarterback will intentionally overthrow the football uh, in a way in a way that, you know, basically no one's going to get to that. That's the safety doing his job. Another way the safety do his job is the is the is the cornerback doesn't even look at him. And if you look at the all 22 and are really religious about looking through those plays, you'll see the safety bracketing a player who doesn't end up getting thrown at at all. And and I think we saw we saw more of both as we went through this season and Elliot and Elliot's ascendance, I think, as more of a recognition of where the route is likely to go really showed up down the stretch in particular for the Ravens. 
Yeah, there were definitely some plays, especially on the boundary, where the ball will be 10 yards out of bounds because the quarterback was like, oh, man, there goes the 32, man. <laughs> He's the cleanup guy back there, you know? I wouldn't exactly call him the eraser, but he was definitely the dissuader. The dissuader, I like that. That'd be, that'd be a great name. Any, any uh, uh, safety should be happy for that, any free safety, that's for sure. And, what um, would you like to talk about next? I'm sorry, anything else oh, about Elliot? Oh, just one, one more thing about Elliot. Um, and like, like, there, was a, there was a point early in the season where like, you, even people would be like, Earl Thomas who? Earl Thomas who? And it became a, it, that became a mute point. It was like, Earl Thomas who? Like, who? Oh, yeah, Earl Thomas did used to play for the Ravens. That's right. <laughs> because um, I, I mentioned in the article, like, this, from, the, from the pure effort standpoint you know um but the, the difference between Deshaun Elliott and Earl Thomas like I even put you know full effort Elliott in my um in my um in my article that I wrote because the guy is like full throttle all the time and sometimes you get a little weary of that because you don't want to get hurt you know given his injury history especially when he's out there just laying those bold crushing hits but I just think there were so many times this um this season I want to just talk about the, the Philadelphia play when he chased down Miles Sanders in particular you know you go back to, to, to 2019 when uh when um Nick Chubb week four ripped off the 88 yarder and Earl Collins pulls up at midfield oh I didn't want to pull my hamstring the Sean Elliott fast forward week six against Philadelphia Miles Sanders breaks clear into the third level you're thinking he's you know run away not so fast Sean Elliott kicked him to a different gear hawked him down it wasn't for a lucky bounce um JJ Arcega Whiteside picking up the ball in the end zone for a touchdown like Ravens probably would have had a turnover yeah, it was a great play by Elliott. And and if you go back to the same game that, that Chubb had the 88-yard run in week four in 2019, Elliott also ran down a run play in that game similarly. And, I'm, you know, maybe the handwriting was on the wall right there in terms of, of 2020, 2020, right? In terms of 2019, obviously, it was Thomas's first year in Baltimore. The Ravens hadn't figured out exactly what was wrong yet. But, uh, but yeah, it was an interesting, uh, interesting thing. I'm going to give you the next interesting thing, which I think this is the, now the appropriate time for this. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. The Ravens played 2.05 safeties per play this last year. And let me tell you how weird that is. The 2019 Ravens played 41.6%, I'm sorry, 42.1% dime for the entire season. Okay, and that's dime or quarter. So a lot of those extra players are safeties. Now, they did play some four-corner dime during that time, I think it was 21 snaps the whole year. But basically, most of those extra defensive backs, uh, when they went to six or seven, were safeties and not not anything else. So this Ravens team played only 16% dime the whole year, and only 5% of that 16% were safeties. So it was a lot of two-thirds of the Ravens' dime snaps were four cornerback dime snaps which is really unusual. So the Ravens are at an all-time low in terms of safety usage per play in 20, uh, well, almost an all-time low anyway, I'll say that, in, in, in 2020. 
Oh. Yeah, and, and that really kind of just speaks to the failure to have a third safety. And mm-hmm. I had really – I'm not going to lie. I was one of those guys. I mentioned it in my preseason bowl prediction segment. I really thought, you know, Geno Stone was going to get a shot at some point. And, like, like him – I can kind of lump him and Nigel Warrior into the same, in the same boat because I guess neither one of those guys earned the trust of the coaching staff to kind of put them in there. And like I said, you're just, you'd be the third safety, which, you know, while albeit it's a limited role and a rotational role, but still a vital role. And we can't oh, have, yeah. And, yeah, and they can't have a guy in there who doesn't know what he's doing all the way, or they can't, you know, be a liability in coverage because those are the kind of plays against the Chiefs where you'll have Miko Hardman running down the middle of the field, you know, vir- virtually uncovered. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly exactly what happened, and the Ravens, you know, forced into a uh, all-time nickel situation, a full-time nickel situation, with having board on the field, and they they did some other things too, but but it was basically a nickel all the time with board as a proxy safety. Now I know some board people are going to say, hey, board played safety in college. Board has no coverage instincts on what's going on behind him, none at all. He's he's a downhill man coverage. Uh, safety, if ever there was one. He can cover a guy off the line of scrimmage. He can cover a running back fairly well. Uh, but he's not the guy you want uh, trying to figure out the passing lane and what's going on. The only guy that has any ability on the team currently is LJ Fort in in that respect. And if, they, if they're if they going to go into 2021, I think that's, that's something they have to solve. They have to find that safety in round five or six. And like you, I hoped it was Stone who can who can be a immediately step in at the proper cost for a Ravens dime and we'll get a lot of I mean there's a big opportunity there yeah, um, I, th- I even wrote an article about it about how the Ravens' defense could greatly benefit from a um, from having a third safety and a backup mm-hmm. uh, slot corner. Um, like you know, I know me and you've talked about Tavon Young in, in in the past. I really love Tavon, but I think it's not time to move on from Tavon. But get a good and ins- proper insurance policy for Tavon doesn't involve moving Marlon Humphrey into the slot predominantly. Completely I completely agree. Yeah, I think if they if they fi- go out, whether it's you know be a free agency or or um, you know the draft and get a get themselves a nice, you know, like I said, like I said, backup nickel. Like you don't, you don't, you don't need a, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to have a starting caliber guy, but you need somebody that can be go in there and be serviceable so that Marlon doesn't have to just kick down every time Tavon goes down. And so, um, like I said, I really love Tavon Young. Hope he, hope he, you know, stays healthy and all that. But uh, one, go ahead. I just want to say it's a, it's a very unusual situation that the Ravens have where they have a bevy of aircraft carrier size outside corners. And almost nobody who could play the slot. And they were really dependent upon Tavon in terms of what they would lose for doing it. It's, it's one of the most risky positions. Humphrey playing out of position, really, it reduced his value as good as he was because his baseball bat arms are much more useful on the outside than they are in the slot. He's just it, 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 he's not as good on roller skates as Tavon is. He's not as good as some other shorter players are. And, and it really makes sense. And the Ravens, you know, are gifted in the sense that they have a guy like Jimmy Smith or they have other players like Humphrey who can cover a flex tight end in the slot. And that's nice. But you don't want, you know, be facing a Cole Beasley type or a Wes Welker type or whoever, you know, else you can think, Edelman, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that who, who, are, who are just too quick and, and can whip you to death um, in terms of their routes. 
Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, one of the guys I circled that could be a possible solution in free agency, if you know, if he makes it that far, would be Brian Poole um, of of, yeah. of the of the Jets. He's a guy who has experience playing both safety and nickel. He he pretty much nickel, plays a nickel safety in the Jets defense, which pretty much mirrors the Ravens defense. So if the Jets were were aren't willing to bring him back, I think he'd be a perfect guy for the Ravens to target. He was actually the feature image of the article that I wrote because like mm-hmm. that guy, he'd be, he'd be perfect for the role that the Ravens are in dire need of I, I believe it's a name that's come up many times in terms of trades and and acquiring him during the offseason but uh, definitely a player that, that that's on the good list uh, there was a great list of available safeties who've now been cut uh on twitter today and it's an unbelievable deep list of names uh let me try and find that if i can because ricardo allen and trey boston are out there now yeah trey trey boston is out there but it's a lot of guys who who would be perfect for this kind of a a a role and you got a lot of short zone guys who could be cheap uh you know i i have to go through and find the list here but i'm not uh i'm not doing you got some young players uh in in this group uh, everybody got excited about Rick Wagner. Now that's, that's killing my Twitter feed here, which is which is great, by the way. I'd love to have Rick Wagner back. But I'm I did, I did, I did write about that earlier today. Yes, I did. The article should be coming out tomorrow about how I think uh, reuniting Rick Wagner makes perfect sense, especially whether Orlando Brown is traded or not. I think it makes perfect sense because even if he doesn't come in and be a right tackle, if Orlando does stay, I think the fact having him as a serviceable swing tackle would be um would be a great option too it, it would make a lot of sense and and honestly with what he does as a pass blocker he's good enough to handle you there and get you to the back pylon of the pocket a 12 to 6 guy as i would call him like like brown and he's one of the problems he's had is his ability to run block in space has not been great well the Ravens system doesn't ask for a lot of that it, it, it would have him down blocking moving to level two and 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 putting a whap on that, on that uh, uh, scraping linebacker. Uh, I think he, I think he'd be very effective in the Ravens system. All, all offensive linemen seem to be better in the Ravens system, but I think he'd really do well under the current Ravens system, as opposed to having Joe Flacco and a, and a, and a pocket passer he had to protect back there, which he wasn't bad at. Yeah, no, no I definitely agree. The title article is, is reunited with Rick Dagger. It makes perfect sense because it, it really does. <laughs> Well, there you go. Right in a timely article again. Malik Hooker is out there right now. Tashawn Gibson, uh, Jaquiski Tart is a guy I like it as a as a cheap player. Uh, you know that's not not a real expensive certainly. Uh, there's some young guys out there as well, but the list is out there. Uh, uh, lots of commentary on it today from the NFL Update uh, thing that was was forwarded by Miggy Duran, a, a longtime friend of the show. So if you if you're on Twitter and you happen to see that list, take a look because it's boy, there's some names that get you excited right off the bat. Yeah, I think Malik Hooker, a guy who's like I said, struggled with injuries like Deshaun has, but I feel like in a, a limited role, as long as Malik Hooker, I feel like as long as he's not required to be like a full time starter down in down out, he could have some success in this league as like you know like a, a dime safety that single high guy and um yeah. you know, especially for the ravens so you know like i said he's injury prone dude so i think he'd be comfy come for the cheap if the ravens won't take a flyer on him or you know maybe a post post uh draft kind of guy i think he'd definitely be worth the look 15th overall pick a few years ago but uh, he's certainly a guy who who could fit into that and i think you're right i think he'd play free safety or or split safety in the dime with clark probably being the guy moving up could, could be elliot moving up I didn't mention this earlier about Elliot, but 
it, it seemed like Elliot was really putting on the hits in the way we're used to Elliot doing it yeah. uh, early in the season. And it's something I think the Ravens may have said, hey, well, hold on. We only got two safeties here. We want you to play a little bit more cautiously. Um, most definitely. Like two hits in particular, like everybody wants to point to the Der- to play it and he put on Derrick Henry. Uh, like, and it, don't get me wrong. It was a great hit. I loved it. You know, squared him up, laid him out. You know, like I, I, even the article I wrote, I like, you know, almost like he almost got revenge for turning Earl Thomas into a league blocker. You know, a couple months ago prior but um with the really the big the best hit i saw from deshaun elliott um maybe the cream cream hunt one was pretty good but the most important most vital hit to me was the one he made on john U. smith in the playoff game that forced that controversial yes you know, the, the punt so like that's like that hit right there to dislodge that ball and it was fourth and short and the titans opted not to go for it and punt it and punt it one of the I worst mean, decisions of the year from a coaching perspective but it, one it of the best plays from deshaun elliott all yes. season <laughs> yes Yes, absolutely. Well, love it. Uh, I, a guy who's been forgotten and was with the Ravens early in the year, he did not actually play that high a percentage of snaps, but he's the only guy the Ravens had that was really a dime safety for the year was was Gilchrist. Yeah, um, like I said, the, the, the Chiefs game was an ugly game for everybody. I think he was up for that game, but um, and, and I forgot the next game he played. I think he was in, he was he was back for the Bengals game, correct? Or was I'm, it? I'm looking at it right now. I'm seeing he did not play against the Chiefs. So I, I thought he was active for the Chiefs. Uh, not not according to my spreadsheet. He did not play against Washington. Let's look at the Bengals game. Against that might have been his first game. Yeah, against the Bengals, he played a lot. Um, and and then I think he played against Philadelphia a fair amount too. Oh, yeah. So, but um, I thought he did it. I thought he did a serviceable job. Like the little two game stint they had in there. Like he didn't play enough to, to warrant mentioning in my article that I wrote. But I, I really feel like you know, like if they would have stuck with him or at least kept him on a practice squad, you know, that would have been a better alternative than to just not playing Stone or playing him exclusively on special teams and having two safeties who basically aren't safeties and just play special teams in uh, Levine and Richards. Right, I, I that uh, that part I didn't really understand. So if if Levine can't play the position, and that's what it seemed like it was this last year because of injury, and he had an abdominal injury, and you know we might not have heard the whole injury story. I'm sure he's banged up in other ways, but they didn't use him. I don't believe on defense uh, more than a few snaps after the second week of the season against against the Texans. Um, boy, it, it, that was a shame to see him go down. He'd obviously been a great dime back just two years ago. So you wonder, you know, why isn't he in there? Why do we still have Chris Board playing snap after snap when it's really not working out um, as that, uh, you know, second linebacker instead of putting a third safety on the field? Yeah, I mean, his his snap count, especially on defense, has been on the precipitous decline, really, like I said, for the last two, three years. I mean, it, was like it peaked, I believe, in 2017. It's been on the down, on the downhill ever, ever since then. Are you talking about his playing time? Yeah, yeah, Anthony Levine's playing. 2018, 2018 was the, the peak. He had he had the best year ever for Ravens dime at that time, and then Clark eclipsed that in 2019. And that's my subjective judgment. Corey Harris, 2000, Chad Williams, 2004, also great years as dime backs for the Ravens. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, like even on even his role in special teams, like like the Chris Board's kind of just been usurping all of his playing time mm-hmm. on both special teams and on, on and on defense and in the dime packages. So I mean, like I'd I'd hate to see Cole Cap go, but you know it might it might be that time. It 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 might be. I think if if he in order to keep being of the value, the the standard formula is this: that if you're a Ravens special teams all timer, McClellan, Stills, uh, Levine. I've tried to go back to some older players, but 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 LJ Ford almost fits into this category McClain. at this point. McClellan? Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jameel McClain, McClain, yeah. 
Okay. So that's another one. So you have to contribute both as some component of the defense and maybe the offense is the other way because, because justice Hill may fit in this category. And then you have to also play special teams at a very high level. And the Ravens love those guys, but you can't just be a special teams player. So Christian Welch, even though he looks like a pretty damn good special teams player, he doesn't do enough defensively to hold his spot. They're going to have to give that to somebody else who can do both things because the Ravens roster spots are at a freaking premium. And the loss of Gilchrist, the loss of Stone actually more seriously to the waiver wire was a function of them not having, you know, having 53. They really, really felt like they needed to keep on the roster and thinking maybe we can get this guy by. Yeah, um, and and the Ravens, I feel like more so than almost any other year, put a real hard premium on special teams last year because you're wondering why are they carrying guys like Richards and Chris Moore and like I said, and Welsh, who wasn't really playing defense, was playing almost exclusively on special teams. But um, like I said, that just goes to show the importance that this organization places on special teams in that third phase and having those core special teamers because like especially, I almost think it's a reflection of all the injuries at cornerback, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of time cornerbacks especially your, your depth guys will be the guys you know on, gunners on special teams mm-hmm. and playing those playing those roles but when you have some of those guys go down you know you kind of like okay you, you you go in there you go in there you know I, I can trust you guys and if we have to sacrifice the roster spot say at offensive line or at receiver then then so be it i i'm i'm of the opinion that the importance of kick coverage on special teams has dropped precipitously in the National Football League. The first thing is you can choose on kickoffs basically from the 40-yard line, whether you just want to kick it through the end zone and not have it returned or try and pooch and return. But that's a choice really made by the kicking team. And and so you don't ever really have to carry coverage players to do that, except under some extreme weather circumstances, perhaps, where you can't get the ball to the end zone. But most teams very happy, and in fact, they set their guy up at the goal line. If it goes at all over his head, he wants to get the ball to 25. They're looking for that. So you know, you take that out of the equation. You don't really need kick coverage for that at all if you don't want to. And then on punts, you know, Sam Cook is a special cat who can punt directionally and he can give you all those different looks in terms of line drive, high fly, you know, go to force the guy into a fair catch with a, a slightly shorter punt. When you have all that going for you, you don't end up with that many punt returns you really have to cover. And it's just it's it's I know it's important and and it's you want to do it well with the players you have available. But on the other hand, I don't want to carry additional players to do just that. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like I said I'm 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 I, I'm OK with the re-signing of Jordan Richards. Um, like I said, I, like you said in your other, in your other podcast, um, I don't think Chris Moore is going to be back with the team. I just think, you know, they're going to have other special team guys come up the pipeline to where like if you're not going to be contributed as a receiver, you can't just play you know, special teams on this team anymore. Um, but um, with the safety position, I, I just think that they're going to go out and draft a guy. I mean, I, I'd, I'd like a veteran guy, but like, I just think that the, sometimes the safest route and the most inexpensive route is to go get a guy in the draft, whether it's in, you know, the mid to later rounds to play special teams. And, you know, we should be groomed to, you know, like almost like, like exactly like Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark, you know, work mm-hmm. your way with special teams and then eventually, you know, ascend into a, a, a final role on defense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly the ideal situation there. Both those guys obviously did get their first chances on special teams. Elliot lost a couple seasons really to injury in there, but but uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love that. Now, is there anybody we haven't talked about? The, the loss of Geno Stone, does it bother you at all? I mean, we both thought he would get a chance this year. I was just disappointed 
I was disappointed for the mere fact that um he was he was like such so highly touted you know like people were calling him like arguably the steal of the draft and then he just you know happened not to do anything you know he couldn't couldn't find a role for himself on on defense and um like I said didn't make much of a splash on special teams either. Yeah, I ended up playing just two snaps the entire season. And I think uh, one of those, or maybe both, were as a cornerback where he was up in press coverage at the line of scrimmage because the Ravens had completely run out of corners. I have to look back at what game that was. I think it was New England because that, that's like the only time I see a pic- I saw a picture of him that I was able to get from Getty Images. <laughs> All right, very good. I'll, I'll check that out and make sure if that's right before we're off the air here. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad situation, obviously, with him and you know, the guys were out there around the league. It's not like you can't find another Gilchrist pretty easily. You know, a guy who's been around the league, the practice squads were ripe with with players, the safeties weren't the players that were opting out. You know, there are guys you can find to, to play a dime safety role, which is why Ozzie has had such success over the years, never spending more than a six-round draft pick on one. It's just, it's... I. I was having difficulty believing the way they were progressing through the season with board on defense. Great special teams player. He can do some other things for you as a linebacker, but boy, the guy really has no idea what's going on behind him in coverage, which is exactly what you need on third down to try and shut down some passing lanes and make those other passes contested by the lane, if not at the receiver itself, uh, himself uh, on third down. I just, I, I thought the Ravens really suffered with that. Yeah, um, it's definitely something like I really want them to address this off season. And um, a guy in the draft, I don't want to you know get, get too far ahead of myself, but a guy in the draft that I really like, I'm not really for drafting a safety in the first round just because like that's well, I wouldn't spend that premium of a pick on a player who's going to be playing a limited role. But a guy, you know, possibly day two, day three guy, probably late day two. I got Richie Grant from the UCS safety, UCF such a Florida uh, safety. Um, he's a guy that stood out at the senior bowl and plays, he can play both um, safety and nickel and nickel corners like slash safety. So that's a guy that I really want people to, if you haven't watched film on him, I believe he was one of the um, the finalists for the, I forget, I forget the defensive back, I think Jim Thorpe award finalist. And um, he's, he's a guy that, that if you really want to see a guy who can really fit exactly what the Ravens need on defense, that versatile role, Richie Grant. We're seeing more of those players who are safety slash slot corner combos. And if that means slot corner slash free safety, I love it. If it really means that's Grant all the way. <laughs> okay. So if it's if it means player who can only play in the box and you can maybe get by with him at slot corner, that's the guy I don't really have want to have anything to do with it. The versatility I want is free safety slash slot corner. And I know they exist. I, I you know, Tyron Matthew is is probably the best example of a good one of the other who is really more of a box guy uh, primarily. It's not like he can't play the back end at all, but it's not it, it's it's reducing what he does well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I love watching the Honey Badger do his thing, and he makes some of his best his best plays at the intermediate level. You know, a lot of times when you see him making those splash plays, it's not down the field. As I said, the single high safety is usually at the intermediate intermediate level. We can read the read quarterback's eyes and break on either ball. He's usually between either the tight end or the receiver, and then he kind of like breaks on either one after he realizes what the, what direction the quarterback's going. I believe he did that against I want to say Aaron Rod, not Aaron Aaron Rodgers, but um. Uh, I think it was Baker Mayfield. Yeah, they're going to Cle- in the Cleveland uh, in the, against Cleveland. That was a really good, a great play that he made to set the team up in um uh, in in the red zone. 
looking looking back at that, I was I was very strong that Thomas was the better choice than than Matthew. I I admit completely I was wrong on that. Boy, it would have been a much better signing at that time. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, I'll, uh, I, we really appreciate having you on, Josh. Always a pleasure to to talk football with you, my friend. Uh, when we get off air here, I want to talk to you a little bit about coming back for the draft. I'm sure we'll have you on for another show. We talked a little bit earlier. Baltimore beatdown. One more time with your Twitter handle. Oh yeah, it's uh, Josh Reed nine oh seven, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm much active, more active on Twitter now. Um, so uh, I like to interact with the people who like like to read some articles. I just want to have a good conversation about football and some of the mentions. Um, hit me up. Make sure you give him a follow uh, after you get off air here, after uh, you get home, maybe from your from your thing or get to work. Uh, happy to have you on again. Uh, we'll be doing another set of positional reviews, looking ahead to the um, uh, rest of the the off season here. One, yeah, I really want you to take a look at the video for is the recently posted run study of all the Ravens run plays in 2020 that was done by Michael Crawford with uh, Josh Mastyko handling a lot of the uh, the technical end. And they've built a wonderful database of stuff that has an interactive component you can, you can uh, uh, access via our site. And it allows you to do all sorts of cool things about expected points and win probability at the time uh, that, that'll really let you slice and dice the Ravens run game. Michael does a wonderful job explaining how he scored it and, and, uh, and how the uh, individual play a couple of concepts are out there on video there you can always hit up michael with more but make make sure that you don't just listen to that one in your car give that a view directly again uh josh thanks so much for for uh coming on and uh, always appreciate having you on my friend thanks for having me i can't wait to work with you in the future we'll talk to you next time on film study Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.